CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Tuesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're so glad you've joined us. Had some technical difficulties yesterday, so we blessed you with uh, last week's program uh, from last Monday or Tuesday. And so we just want to say we've got those problems fixed. The lines are back up and operating. And so we want to just encourage you to give us a call. That number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. As we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, look at current events, as well as what we hear in church, is it even in the Bible at all? And so if you've got a question again, call us, 8888-ASK-CSN. Join me today's special guest featured CSN speaker here, and I believe soon to be during the day as well, weekdays, John Randall from OC South in Southern California, Calvary Chapel. Hi and welcome. Hey, Mike, great to be back with you today. God bless you, brother. So is that a wine flag in your background, backdrop there? It is. Interesting. I, it, it looks, that, that looks well, yeah, it is. There's a story, a real quick story. That particular flag, when my son was in school in Hawaii, there was a sunken ship, and they were able to paddle out in the middle of the night and dive down, and they pulled the flag off of the sunken ship, and there it is. So uh, it has some uh, significant value. <laughs> wow. Us. So, so yeah. a, a recovered I pirate you. Okay, well, they got they got the flag. They got the it. flag. No gold, yeah. no silver. We got a flag. Okay, but no, I'm glad, well, John. I'm so glad you're with us. They look forward to <laughs> answering some questions with you. And again, uh, it's always a blessing. Again, uh, we got some lines open. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask CSN is the number to call. Now, uh, very quickly, what are you teaching on Sunday morning? Well, Sunday morning, you know, now with Christmas right around the corner, I can't believe how quickly it's come up, Mike. We have started a three-week series entitled Behold the King. And this last Sunday, we looked at Behold the King in biblical prophecy, considered seven prophecies that were not only spoken, but fulfilled sometimes uh, 18 centuries before they were ever uh, fulfilled. They were spoken in advance. So it was just amazing time in the Word. And we'll continue that series right up till Christmas Day. I have a friend over in Hawaii, uh, Joe J- Jackson from uh, uh, from Sure Foundation in Kiao, Hawaii, and uh, I remember I was there in their service a year ago uh, at Christmas, and I remember he talked about there's a lot of different kings, mm. and so he said, you know, today, and people kind of just didn't understand. Well, the first thing you do is he flashes a big greasy cheeseburger and says, "What's this?" People go, "Burger King." Well, what's this? And uh, had a picture of Elvis. And oh. then they flashed a picture of B.B. King. Uh, oh. And then they it, it just went down the line like that. And he said, you know, it's funny that that uh, uh, the word king is still used today, but there's only one true king, and that's uh, Jesus Christ. And so it was really a blessing. But, you know, it is true. Uh, we do hail a king. And without Jesus, there is no real cure for death. And uh, in fact, we're going through the book of Acts. And I stopped last week, verse 17, 18 there in Acts 11, where they came to the conclusions that Jesus works for the Gentiles as well. And I said, this is probably one of the greatest Christmas messages that we could ever teach. Because up to that time, they thought Jesus was only for 
uh, those were converted to Judaism, but now we know Jesus is for everybody, and truly he is the king of the world. And so what a great, great opportunity we have as we go through the Bible together, looking at all these different aspects of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus said this, he said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are actually which testify of me. So, you know, really, I look at it that you can't really pick up any part of the Old Testament or the New Testament and not find Jesus. So important. 8888, ask CSN's the number to call. We're going to go to the phones. We have Marie, Asheville, North Carolina. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you for taking my call. How may we help? Um, my, uh, my question has to do with during the judgment time, is there a scriptural basis that someone like, Hitler or, you know, someone who's affected, you know, generations of people, even after he's died during the judgment time, would he have any kind of um, added or increase of judgment based on how his ideas were carried on for, you know, years even after his death? Is there anything scriptural? Marie, I, I, I believe the answer is yes. The Bible talks about some will be beaten with many stripes and some with few. I think it's all going to be cast into outer darkness. It's all torment forever and ever. But it does appear that people who willfully deceive people, willfully were cruel to people, are going to pay a price. And that's why everything is written down in those books that are open there at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. And the people will be judged according to their deeds. Now, that's important because even today in courts, we'll have a court hearing and this person may be guilty of of. You know, a few infractions, but then they may be guilty of murder and other things as well. Well, we know that even in man's frail justice system, we know that that's going to carry, or at least should, carry a harder punishment than somebody that got a parking ticket. And so I do believe that is. But see, the point is, is uh, the Bible says it is the lake of fire. It's where the Antichrist uh, the devil are that are cast into it. Uh, I don't know how that degrees of punishment work, but the Bible does speak of some type of degree of punishment, some beaten with many, some beaten with you. Your thoughts, John? Well, in Luke chapter 10, you remember that Jesus speaks of comparative punishment there. And Jesus says about a particular village that rejected the gospel. He said, I tell you, it's more bearable on the day for Sodom and Sodom than for that town. He goes on to say about Bethsaida, it's going to be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. Whatever punishment the former residents of Sodom, of Tyre, of Sidon were experiencing in hell, the Galilean towns, it appears, that refused to hear Jesus would experience more. The level of punishment, in other words, seemed to be tied to the amount of light a person reject. So I, there, there does seem to be some indication of that. Here's what I would say. I, we need to avoid that at all costs. There is a way to steer clear of that punishment, but there does seem to be greater levels, Mike, of, if you would, of, of the punishment that will be experienced. Amen. And so uh, I, I, I think, uh, Marie, at least your, your perception of this is true. Um, it all is going to be hell. It's all a place of torment forever. Um, the idea that the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Seventh Adventists, some of these other groups of annihilation, is simply not biblical. In fact, we we find uh, uh, all the way through the Bible, Jesus never said it's annihilation ever. No, noted that Jesus spoke eleven times 
in the Gospels about hell. And it isn't a place that just gets annihilated or the people therein. We find the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We find the place in the book of Jude that says they'll be tormented for day and night uh, forever. Uh, you don't find annihilation. This is some some quirky lie that has worked its way in. And um, what I found a lot of times in the cults in general, there's two things they always hold in common. Number one, Jesus is not God. Now, he might be one of the greats, Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, but he's not God. The Who Jesus Christ is, is always goofed up in these groups. Uh, he's a great teacher. He's one of the greats. Uh, he is a prophet. He was this. He was, I'm Jesus. You're Jesus. We're all Jesuses, you know. Uh, th- that's one of the number one things you find is who is Jesus? The Bible says he is God. Matthew chapter 1. Very clear, it says, he shall be called Emmanuel. And then just so somebody couldn't goof it up, the Bible actually tells you in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, what the word Emmanuel means, which translated, it says in your Bible, God with us. That's who Jesus Christ is. And renumerated many times, whether it's John 8, 59, where after Jesus said in John 8, 58, before Abraham was, I am, claiming to be the I am, the God. It says, John 8, 59, they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because claiming to be God was a capital offense. And so very clearly, we find it many places through the scripture uh, that Jesus Christ is God. Number two, the cults hold, is there's no literal hell, or it's not an eternal place, or it's a figment of your imagination, or it's so beautiful you'd kill yourself right now to go there. I actually had a missionary tell me that one time. Um, I, I, it, the Bible said it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know what's interesting in the Bible? A lot of people miss this. Weeping, we know what that is. I believe, believe they were weeping because they missed heaven. I believe they missed the opportunity to have their sins forgiven. Here in this place called hell that's going to burn forever and ever. But it also says a place of gnashing your teeth. You know you know what gnashing, it isn't because of pain. If you look at the real a placement for gnashing your teeth, it is a facial gesture of hatred. Wow, that's weird. See, in those days, they didn't stick a particular finger up at you as you were driving by in your, in your uh, buggy. Uh, they would gnash their teeth at you. They'd, they'd scowl and grind their teeth at you to show their total displeasure with you. Well, the Bible says hell is going to be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. And nowhere do you find annihilation in the Scripture. Two things in common. Jesus is not God, and there is no hell, or at least any place of any enduring punishment or that it is punishment at all. So always remember that when you're dealing with a cult, sometimes we'll run into people and they'll go, brother, you know, and they run all this religious ease on you. And it seems, sounds like they're Christians. I sometimes just cut right to the chase and go, who's Jesus? Well, he's one of the greats. Oh, well, then all of a sudden I know that I'm not talking to a born again person. I'm talking to a religious person, but religion doesn't save you. And so that really helps. And then you can begin to ask him, what is hell? And they'll give you all these things. That opens the door to preach the gospel to them saying, listen, the Bible says hell is a real place. Jesus spoke 11 times about it in the gospels. 
Jesus died on the cross so none of us would ever have to go there if you put your faith, hope, and trust in him. So it's a great place. Marie, I hope that helps. Thank you very much. I stay, do appreciate your Stay time. in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, and the new DVD, uh, The Life of Jesus, based on the book of Luke. What you hear is is real, and uh, it's not, not 10% Bible and the rest is made up. This is the real deal. I'll send that to you. Uh, there's two other movies in there that, yeah, they've taken some liberty, but actually those movies are based off the movie Jesus there that you'll see. But send that out to you. Great for evangelism. Great for uh, Christmas Day. So stay on line. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Alice, Sheridan, Wyoming. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, I'm studying the book of John. I'm found in John 5, verse 6. This is why I'm going to ask the question. When I'm not feeling well, I go to the doctor and naturally want to be made well. Now, so why would Jesus ask the crippled man, do you want to be made well? That has always kind of bothered me. Well, I, I think a lot of times people, uh, Jesus is, 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 is a very, uh, he's the essence of all knowledge, if you will. And I believe that he asked these questions not for because he doesn't know what they're going to say, but he wants to see if they really understand, do you really know what your need really is? You see, the man, yes, he needed his sight back. He did. But there's something far greater. People today have perfect vision, and they're in complete darkness, the Bible says. Your thoughts, John? Well, I love that passage in John chapter 5, and it's such a beautiful um story there where Jesus comes up to a man who's been at this pool for 38 years. He has had this infirmity. And apparently at some point there was the stirring of the waters by an angel as rumor spoke and whoever jumped into the water first, well, they were healed. And so imagine this man waiting year after year after year. His only hope was to one day get into the pool. And so Jesus comes and it's interesting because uh, Alice, when he asks him that question, do you want to be made well? you would think that he would immediately say, yes, but he actually doesn't. He says to Jesus, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but I'm coming in another steps down before me. Jesus didn't ask him about that. He asked him if he wanted to be made well. So the proper response would be, yes, I do. But of course, then Jesus said those words to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man uh, was made well, took up his bed and walked. I was, I'm so amazed. 38 years, you don't, you're not walking. 38 years and suddenly, instantly, everything comes together. All the muscle, all the bones, everything. You are walking. You are immediately healed. Jesus was drawing this man's faith out. And uh, it's a powerful story. I love it. So I hope that, hope that answers it for you. Thank you. And I love that story too. Great. You'll love the, the, the movie I'm going to send you on Jesus. I, I, you know, I, I watched, I've watched that movie probably 25 times. And every time I watch it, it's just such a blessing. And so you'll, you'll see it. There, there's three movies on the one DVD, but the one in particular is the one straight out of the book of Luke. And uh, you'll really, really enjoy it. It's, it's, it's wonderful. You know, one of the, the scenes in it that really spoke to me a lot, and, you know, sometimes it isn't until you see something that you, you begin to get a different perspective of it. But uh, when Jesus was crossing the other side of the lake, and the Bible says he fell asleep on the cushions in the boat. Well, the Bible says a storm came up, 
And they woke Jesus and said, alas, master, we perish. In other words, we're going down. We thought we'd wake you up to witness your own, you know, uh, watery grave. And, and Jesus got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves. And he said, wow, what manner of man is this? That the, this the, the waves and the sea obey him. But what's really amazing to me in the story, when, when we really stop to digest what we read, Jesus would have fallen asleep on a boat that's rocking so hard back and forth, water splashing on him from the water coming over the side of the boat. I've been in boats like that on, on in high storm seas, and and they're they're scary. And the water's coming over the side, and Jesus is asleep in a boat, ready to sink, with water being splashed on him, and no doubt the disciples yelling and screaming. What does that tell me? Jesus was exhausted to be able to sleep in a condition like that from ministering to people like us. Amazing. Alice, stay online. We'll get you taken care of. I think you'll really enjoy that. Great for evangelism, and we'll try to get it to you out the door maybe today or tomorrow so you'll have it before Christmas. So God bless Alice. Thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Victoria, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hi, welcome. Hello, how are you? Good, how may we help? Um, I have a question about ministering, and I'm trying to find scripture that gives you an idea how to approach someone. I have no confidence to talk to people about God or Jesus or the Mother Mary or the Apostles, but have a lot of knowledge of the scripture. And I wondered where I might find that. I believe you find that in the Holy Spirit, dear. Because the Holy Spirit's the, the search of hearts reveal our secrets. And I believe that, that uh, when we walk up to somebody or we see somebody or we're prompted by the Spirit. In other words, here's a room full of people in a supermarket. And all of a sudden you focus upon this one person that for some reason has got your attention. Whether it's because they're crying or they look like they're lost or, or, or whatever it might be. I believe that's where, and you know, Jesus said, if you want to be great, learn to be a servant. And so sometimes you just walk up and say, hey, need some help? And they'll open the door that way. They don't know if you're part of the store. They don't know if you're part of security. They don't know if you're just a concerned person. But I found that a lot of people respond to people that'll just come up and say, hey, do you need some help? And I've, 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 uh, I've talked to so many people that way with just cold call. I mean, you just walk up and do that. John, your thoughts, I know you have too. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of passages of scripture that come to mind, Victoria. And, um, you know, first of all, first Corinthians chapter two and verse two, the apostle Paul, uh, says, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The message of the gospel is the message that we preach. I think when it comes to sharing with people, the truth of God's word you establish a relationship, you have conversation. And then hopefully in that conversation, I used to, I always like to say, you build a bridge and then you bring the cross across the bridge. And, you know, the apostle Paul in writing to uh, the church in Corinth, he talked about witnessing and sharing. And this is what he said. He said, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Neither is he who plants anything, nor is he who waters. God gives the increase. In other words, sometimes when you're sharing, you're just planting the seed of the word of God. As Mike said, maybe you're just showing somebody the love of Jesus and you're sharing the gospel. Then maybe later somebody else comes along and waters what you planted. 
And then later on, somebody gets to harvest what was planted and watered. Either way, it's all important. And I just encourage you, when you share, share about Jesus, what he's done. A great way is to share your testimony. I mean, people might be able to deny this or that, but they can't deny the transformation that's taken place in your life as a result of your response to the gospel and God's grace. So tell them what Jesus has done. Amen. And so I hope that helps, Victoria. And I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed that you, you have a desire to do that. But I, I really believe that that true evangelism is spirit-led. And mm-hmm. uh, um, I, I just want to encourage you to, to, to just pray and just say, Lord, who do you want me to talk to uh, in this room? Or who do you want me to talk to today? And you'll be really amazed how God will really mess up your schedule so <laughs> that you can be where he wants you to be to minister to those people. Man, I've had blowouts. I've had washing machines fall apart. I've had all kinds of things go go bad. Me wondering what's going on. God, don't you love me anymore? Only for me to go into the welding shop for a guy to tell me how much his family needed Jesus. Had that not happened, I would have never been there. That's why the Bible says to give thanks in all things in Christ Jesus, for this is his will concerning you. Well, the, the all things has to do with the inconveniences, which then change our daily rut to a new group of people that then we are exposed to, to share the love of God. So for everybody that if you got something that's gone on in your life and you're going, me, 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 why is it always me? God, I thought you loved me. All I can tell you, that is God redirecting your life so that you will be around different people than normally that you are because he loves you and he's got a message and you're his chosen child to bring that message. So it's so important that we just, Victoria, let God use us how he uses us. And I always tell Lord, open and close the doors according to your will in Jesus' name. And you know what he does? He does that. And you know, I, 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 there's that, that um, old movie and I know it's it's not a Christian movie. Um, of course, today a lot of the Christian movies aren't Christian, but uh, the the uh, it's a wonderful life. And it's when George Bailey said, "Yeah, I, I prayed," and then got hit in the face. But you see, that's what a lot of times we think. I prayed for God to do something, and then everything in my life went out of whack. Well, that's because God realigns our lives to be where he wants us to be. Hope that helps, Victoria. Helps greatly. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs, and the movie Jesus. I know you'll really, really enjoy that. 8888, ask CSN's the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. We're going to go to Jeff Washington. Hi, welcome. How are you doing today, sirs? How may we help? Hey. Just wanted to know your guys' thoughts on what the Bible has to say about the use of pharmaceutical drugs to treat mental health disorders and chronic pain. Well, you know, uh, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, take some wine for your stomach and your other infirmities. So he prescribed to him what was at that time a the medicinal use of, of alcohol. Now, the Bible also says, though, that alcohol is for those that are dying. Uh, it kills the pain. Many people in those days, like today, they had different ailments, cancers, things, and it would kill the pain while they're on their way out. 
However, the Bible does say in Ephesians chapter 5, do not be with drunk with wine were in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is important because I have to be careful that what we say, uh, you know, for instance, these different things, we're all under the curse. Our bodies are under a curse. They just are. We're going to get a new one at the rapture, twinkling of an eye, or or there at that time when the Lord takes uh, all of us to be with him in the in the rapture. We're going to get a new body. But until that time, our bodies don't work right. Some have arthritis. Some have mental problems. Some have physical problems, whatever it is. And so I do believe that there is medicine. Luke in the Bible, who wrote the book of Acts and the book of Luke, was a doctor. So he was very much aware of medical practices. He didn't say, oh, it's a bunch of bunk. Don't do anything about it. You just need to have more faith, brother, and get the sin out of your life. He didn't say that. He told him to drink some wine for his stomach and other infirmities. So I think that he prescribed what was there at the time. Now, do we know that some drugs that are out there today can be harmful? Well, absolutely we know that. I think we just have to be wise. Your thoughts? Well, I agree with you. I think there are legitimate cases where there is a need for medication, perhaps because of chemical imbalance, and I am not a doctor, nor could I prescribe. But I also think, Mike, today that we're seeing illegitimate cases where people are looking for something to soothe the pain that they have that can only be found in Jesus. And we have to be very careful of that. Um, and some of these drugs that are out there, they make it worse. You, you see, if you see on television, if you take this drug, it'll cause these 20 things like what could possibly kill you, but consult your doctor. I mean, so many things that are worse than what you have. And so you have to use wisdom there. Am I supposed to take it? Perhaps. Am I not supposed to? Am I leaning on this? Um, You have to have wisdom and discernment because we are a medicated society. And sometimes um, we don't need it. Other times we do. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's really weird is sometimes you'll find that, that, um, um, you know, they, People want to have an excuse to be able to get into drugs. And I know that sounds weird, but no, you know, it hurts when I do this, so I need some kind of pot or whatever, you know. Uh, the miracle marijuana, miracle meta, marijuana cards, you know, stuff like that. I, I just have to be wise. Right. And I've not, seen some people, Mike, have had surgeries, and then they got prescribed this medicine, and and to, for, for the pain, and it ended up becoming so addictive that they were long past their surgery, and they were still... Oh, the, oh, the opiate, yeah, opiates and all those kinds of things. I'd be very, very careful with that. Jeff, that's about all we can say about it. We're not doctors. We don't prescribe anything, but I like Ephesians chapter 5. Be not drunk with wine. We're in excess. Be filled with the spirits. What we all need is in Ephesians 5th. Coming up on a break, everyone. We'll have more right after this. We'll be right back. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. And it's true. The typical family switching to MediShare saves 500 bucks or more a month, which is obviously huge for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. There are 400,000 members. They've shared over $4 billion in medical bills, and it really is a great community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. And here's the thing. If you join MediShare Complete right now, 
They'll waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off all of 2023. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month of next year, but it's a very limited time offer. You have to sign up before December 31st. Great savings, great health care. Find out more. Call now, 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE, 855-91-BIBLE. The meaning of Christmas is all about the miracle of life when Christ came to earth as a baby to bring life to all. Preborn pregnancy clinics share the miracle of life every day as they meet women in crisis pressured to end their unborn baby's life. And every day, Preborn rescues 150 babies' lives by introducing babies to their mothers via ultrasound. But that's only the beginning. Preborn shares Christ with them and offers assistance for up to two years after birth, all for free. And this miracle of life often saves the baby and the mother. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. To learn how you can help rescue a baby's life, call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. back to part two of Every Man Answer here on this Tuesday afternoon with John and uh, from uh, Calvary Chapel, Orange County South. And um, so glad you're with us, John. Looking forward to answering some more questions with you. And uh, let's go back to the phones. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. Dan's with us. Uh, and um, hi and welcome, Dan. Hi. God bless you, pastors. Thanks um, for taking my call. How may we I have a question. I had a question about uh, the name changes of, is there any significance when Abram and his wife Sarai got their names changed to Abraham and Sarah? And then in the Old Testament, it was supposed to be Emmanuel, but then the New Testament changed to Jesus. There is. And uh, as a fact, matter of fact, there's at least five verses concerning us that God's going to give us all a new name as well. Uh, I'll just read a couple of them to you. Revelation 2.17, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says of the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name on that stone that no one knows except he who receives it. We find also Isaiah 56.5, To them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial a name better than the sons and the daughters. I will give him an everlasting name, which will not be cut off. You see, when God calls us, he changes us. And uh, we also know that uh, in Revelation, God gives us all a completely brand new name. We'll just read it. Him overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will not go out of it anymore. I will write on him the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven and my new name. So I think when God changes us from what we were to what we're going to be, I think he does that. And I believe what happened with Abraham, well, there's a lot of people. Look at uh, Jacob, um, heel catcher in the Bible. 
changed to governed by God or or or, or chosen by God. Uh, what a difference going from dirty sneaky thief to to a person that actually is in, in, in recognized by God. So I, I really look at this as a very important thing. And uh, your thoughts? Well, in Genesis chapter 17, of course, Abraham was Abram, and it meant high father. And when the Lord changed his name in Genesis 17, he was now to be called father of many nations, similar to Sarai. Her name meant princess. But when she was called Sarah, it meant mother of many nations. The new name that they were given was a new identity. God was doing something new within their lives. This is what you are, but this is who you will be from now on. I'm changing it. We also see this in the New Testament when the Lord came to Peter. You are Simon, but he ended up calling him Peter on this rock, this little pebble. But nonetheless, I'm changing you. This is who you've been, but this is who you're going to be. And I love, Mike, the fact that that God sees not only what we've been, but what we can be, the potential that we have. And I think it's a beautiful thing as we see him changing the names of believers in the Old and New Testament, and even, as you mentioned, in the future. Amen. So I hope that answers it for you. Yes, it does. Thank you. Remember, we're not what we once were. And you know, the devil will go to great lengths to try to drag your past back up and throw it in your face. You know, it's really sad that I see sometimes Christians do this to other Christians. They forget how much God's forgiven them for. But you see, my sin's not as bad as your sin. So, so I have a right to throw your past back up in your face because I'm not as bad as you are. They don't realize how blind, poor, wretched, miserable, and naked they really are. Because you see, we've all been forgiven for so much. So when the devil comes, somebody said one time, you always want to say this, when the devil tries to remind you of your past, remind him of his future. Uh, the Bible says he's going to be cast in a lake of fire that burns forever. Stay on the line, and Dan will get the package out to you, the DVDs, the movies, okay? Oh, my goodness. Right. You all right there, brother? You're getting, oh, man, you're I'll tell you. To come through, this, uh, through the airwaves here and help you out. Iron, right. iron lung, please. <laughs> some, right. some days you just don't want to go anywhere without it. You know what I'm saying? But uh, anyway, Dan, stay alive. We'll get you taken care of. Get those out to you. I know you'll be blessed. And uh, Merry Christmas to you. Let's go to Tim, Las Vegas. Hi, welcome. Uh, hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, I was reading in uh, Second Chronicles, I, I think it was sixteen twelve. I believe it was King Asa had a problem with his foot. And uh, the... the uh, prophet there said he was in trouble because he trusted in the physicians instead of in God. Am I to read that as we're, we shouldn't go to physicians? Oh, not at all. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Luke was a doctor, wrote the book of Luke, wrote the book of Acts, very much aware. In fact, even influencing, no doubt, probably Paul, when he writes to Timothy, drink some wine for your stomach and your other infirmities. I don't know whether he had dysentery or whatever, but it says your stomach and your other infirmities. So we might add several of them. They very possibly were related. Your thoughts? Well, in Second Chronicles 16, when you read that entire uh, passage, that whole thing, what you find out is that Asa continually chose not to trust in God. He chose to trust in man. In the midst of battle, he took money and tried to hire others to come and defend him rather than 
look to the Lord. Later on, he, he relies on the king of Syria uh, for, for assistance. And so the Lord sends him a prophet and says, hey, listen, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal toward him. In this you have done foolishly. Asa had a consistency of not trusting in God, but trusting in man. And so as you get down further in his life, the same thing comes up again. He doesn't even, it says actually there in Second Chronicles, that he was, the malady was severe, yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. It wasn't the problem of, of going to a physician. The problem was with Asa consistently, he refused to seek the Lord. And these were the consequences of his sin. This was a pattern in his life. So I hope that helps. It did. Thank you. Tim Sandlin, if you like, send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, and the movie Jesus. I think you'll really enjoy it. Let's go to Lori. In Fredericksburg, Virginia. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, so my question is, what is the number of prophecies in the Bible about Jesus, and how many of them are left to be fulfilled, and what are the odds for all of them to be fulfilled by one man? Uh, I, I heard at one time you'd have to take and uh, over the the prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament, I think they said you'd have to have silver dollars stacked uh, about five foot tall, covering the entire state of Texas, and only one silver dollar is the one you're looking for. Uh, that's the odds. Staggering amount. And, right. of course, it becomes exponential because um, to find somebody from Bethlehem uh, that would be born of a virgin, that would, and then you just go down the line... All of a sudden now, the the numbers, and, and so this is why, you know, people say, well, you know, picking lottery numbers should be easy. It's only just a couple of numbers. I mean, well, the problem is, is to pick all of them that work with the other numbers. That's where these these odds go into the stratosphere and why you see these um, of late billion dollar jackpots. It's, it's because they're not winning them because the, the odds are too great. Well, this is the same thing. The odds of one person ever fulfilling even probably a quarter of what the prophecies of Jesus would be impossible. But it, this is why the Bible says uh, he's Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and last. He lives in all times present. So prophecy is not a big deal for God. For man it is. For false religions of the world it is. But for the true word of, of God, the Bible, Jesus Christ, Hey, prophecy is not a hard thing, and that's why the Bible is one-third prophecy, and two-thirds of those prophecies have already come to pass. But you look at the other religious books of the world, there are no prophecies in those books. The reason why is because it immediately exposes a fraud. Your thoughts, John? Well, I love I love prophecy, and I, I think it's amazing. It's really what sets the Bible apart from any other religious book that's ever been written or put into print, biblical prophecy, as well as so many other factors. But imagine this. It's a great question that you ask, and that is someone estimated that for eight prophecies to be fulfilled by one man, and Jesus fulfilled, mark this, 300 prophecies in his lifetime. But imagine just eight. Mathematician and astronomer Peter W. Stoner commented on this, and he said mathematically the probability for eight prophecies to be fulfilled would be one in 10 to the 17th power. That's one with 17 zeros behind it. Somebody just fulfilling eight prophecies, and then he used this illustration that Pastor Mike just used. You fill the state of Texas with two feet foot of silver coins. Two feet. I said five feet, feet, but it's two feet. And then either way, it's filled. You take one coin, you mark it, 
and then you throw it out and then you blindfold the man and then you have him walk through the state of Texas and the probability that he would actually pull out that one coin that you marked in the entire state of Texas would be one in 10 to the 17th power. That's somebody fulfilling eight prophecies. Jesus fulfilled over 300. We have this sure word of the Lord. Prophecy never came by men. But men were moved by the Holy Spirit. That is what sets the Bible apart. It makes it so exciting, Mike. Yeah, I meant to say 50 foot deep in silver dollars. If you had the whole amount in there. (laughs) Of course you did. Uh, I knew what you meant. Of of course. So anyway, but anyway, I hope that helps. Lori? How many are left to be fulfilled? Are they just the ones like with the rapture and the second coming? Well, of course, we we find the prophecies that Jesus will rule and reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. That's not yet come to pass. We know that Jesus, the Bible says, will rule with a rod of iron. And what that means is a lot of people think that, well, Jesus, you know, I went to the Christian bookstore and saw Jesus holding the little lambs. And when he rules from Jerusalem, he's going to just be a a namby-pamby kind of guy. Nope, he's going to rule with a rod of iron. And in the Bible, a rod meant a symbol of authority. Now, it's interesting to me that in Psalms chapter 23, David said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What? God's authority in our lives, this is what David said, and God's ability to correct us. That was the staff that the shepherd holds. The staff was a rod, but it had a hook on the end. And when you got out of line, you got too close to the edge, the shepherd would then reach out and hook around the sheep's neck and pull them back over David said that comforts him to know that we have somebody, as an example, Abba Father, a daddy in heaven who will correct us. The Bible says if you do not have God in your life, if you've not accepted Christ, then you do not have a father. And you have nothing within you via that wonderful Holy Spirit that will correct you when you get out of line. And so David said his rod is a symbol of authority that he's the king, and his ability to correct me in love brought him comfort. We oftentimes quote the 23rd Psalm, but if we don't really break it down and really look what it says, we don't understand that. But God, you you need authority. All of us need authority in our lives. If you only do what's right in your own eyes, the Bible says that's an evil thing. And that's what's happening right now, not only in the United States, but globally. And so I believe this is what we're going to see not us, but the people that are left behind, are going to see universally is the Antichrist ruling this world uh, in a very different fashion because, again, people doing what's right in their own eyes. Remember, the angel said, thrust in your sickle. The wickedness of the earth is fully mature now and reap the harvest. You got to remember that this world is evil. You don't have to watch TV more than than about 15 minutes and see just how dark it really is. People always talk about, oh, the illicit use of guns, and we've got to confiscate the guns. Where are we learning all the murder and stuff? Well, when you watch American television and Hollywood teaching the American populace the illicit use of guns, teaching people how to commit crimes— Uh, Why don't we shut down and outlaw Hollywood? That would probably have a lot to do with curtailing gun crime. Oh, you won't hear them do that. Now, see, there's another agenda there, another topic, another day. 
But the point is, is that they, man is doing what's right in his own eyes. But God's authority, God's ability to correct us, oh man, gives us great, great comfort. Lori, I hope that helps. It has. Thank you very much. God bless you. Stay in line and we'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs and the movie Jesus. I know you'll enjoy it. Let's go to Joe Kalispell, Montana. Hi, welcome. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. My question is, Walter Martin, who is a regular on Trinity Broadcasting Network, known for his um, anti-Mormon and anti-Jehovah Witness books and so forth, he believed in the rapture happening at the end of the tribulation period. Let's know what is your take on that. Okay, your thoughts, John. Well, I, I can tell you this. He doesn't believe that anymore, <laughs> if you know what I mean. I think, his, I think his theology is correct now because Walter Martin's with the Lord. Uh, but I think he could go to that. That's a short answer. But the long answer is I think there's biblical proof, biblical grounds for the fact that the rapture happens before. You look through the book of Revelation, you read the first five chapters, you see the church is mentioned in the beginning, and then you don't see them mentioned again until the second coming. But when you do see them, John describes them around the throne, Revelation 5, every tribe, every tongue, every nation worshiping with a song. Lyrics are given concerning every tribe, every tongue worshiping around the throne of God. There is only one group of people who could sing that song about the redemption and the blood of the lamb. And that is the church of Jesus Christ. When are they singing it? They're singing it before the tribulation begins, before the seals are broken, before the trumpets are blown, before the bowls of judgment are poured out. And then it says the church comes back with Christ to rule and reign with him at that final battle of the of Armageddon. He speaks a word out of his mouth, goes a sharp sword, and with it he strikes the nations, establishes his kingdom. And so I believe it's very clear, not only there, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 also, 2 Thessalonians points to the fact that the church has to be removed, the spirit working through the church before the Antichrist can come and deceive the world uh, as the devil incarnate. So, Mike, I believe it's before any of this stuff happens. We are close. I really appreciate uh, uh, Walter Martin. I knew him personally. He'd been on this radio station. Um, He only was on, I believe, Trinity Broadcasting maybe one time. He was not a regular. Uh, Mm -hmm. When he went on, in fact, it's on there. If you want to watch something really wild and crazy, watch Walter Martin on TBN. Uh, (laughs) Some people recorded that on the old VHS, and they put that on there. And uh, man, I'll tell you, he 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 went after a lot of the um, uh, the health wealth teachers and stuff like that. And um, as far as I know, he was never invited back on TBN ever again. Um, Walter Martin had a program called the Bible Answer Man. I've had his daughter here on on uh, this program as well. And uh, but I I think a lot of times people uh, a while ago. I think as it gets closer, it gets a little more clear what's going to happen. Now, remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, as in the days of Noah were, the soul, soul the coming of the Son of Man be. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. When you look at Revelation 16, and you see what the world is like right before uh, Jesus Christ comes back, the second coming of Christ, uh, mere survival is all man has, uh, the the oceans turn to blood, all the waters turn to blood, all the trees are burned up. It's not as in the days of Noah were. Because in the days of Noah were, they were partying down, they were doing their own thing, awaiting an impending global judgment. 
Today, I believe the rapture of the church is that time where the world is partying down, not realizing there's an impending global judgment called the tribulation period that's going to fall on the earth. And I believe that's what Jesus there is talking about in Matthew chapter 24. Completely different because, again, remember, the rapture, Jesus comes for his saints, and and the second coming, he comes back to the world. There's a big difference. The Bible says that the second coming of Christ, every eye will see him. As it tells us, Jesus said, behold, I come as a thief. Only those that love him will see him. So there's there's a two separate event thing there. But again, I... Uh, because a person hold a little bit different view on that doesn't mean that they were bad or whatever. Uh, again, I, I I strongly and highly recommend Kingdom of the Cults by Walter Martin. And just again, say that. yeah, just gonna say that book. I mean, as a young pastor, that really opened my eyes to so many things, and I still refer to that to this day. That that was a, an amazing work. Uh, that book by Walter Martin. And, and what's important about it is you read it, you have to realize that in the kingdom of the cults, they use a lot of the same verbiage, father, forgiveness, Jesus, cross, salvation, with completely different meanings. And so that's why uh, sometimes when we'll talk to somebody, well, they say they believe in Jesus. Well, Paul says in the last days, they're going to be preaching a lot of different Jesuses. Which one are they talking about? So, again, I believe that that's really good. But, Joe, hope that answers it for you. Yeah, it does. Thank you so much, gentlemen. God bless you all. God bless you. Joe, stay in line if you like. Get those out to you. Let's go to Sam, uh, Kansas uh, uh, Kansas City, I believe it is. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, my question has to do with um, healing. I've been watching some some videos of, of a guy who who's, uh, believes in the miraculous, I guess, and, and you know, and that healing is for today and stuff like that. And, and, you know, I'm watching that and I want to be discerning, but like, I'm, I'm also thinking, you know, I want to have the faith that it takes, I guess, to, to, I guess, walk in the spirit and, and do things, um, I guess, in the power of Christ. So it's like, I think, you know, so our, our, yeah, you know, I, I, just to tell you real quick, they went to Billy Graham one time and they said, Billy, they said, why are some people miraculously, healed and others aren't and his act words were i don't know um and that's all i can tell you too i don't know why some are and some aren't i've seen the charlatans on tv and all that kind of stuff but there is real healings we have them here in our church all the time uh where um just from people's legs of uh cancer you name it god heals them why God doesn't heal every single person, I don't know. But I, I do know that God is still in the miracle working business. The gift of healings is one of the gifts of the Spirit. Mentioned there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it is alive and well in the planet Earth today. No, it didn't cease with the apostles. The, the apostles didn't take the Holy Spirit with them when they went. God is still in the working miracle business. It didn't start in Acts chapter 2. It didn't end in the last chapter of the book of Acts. Miracles are all the way through the Bible. The only difference is after Acts chapter 2, the empowering of the Holy Spirit, he gave that power to everyone. If we'll use it, if we'll walk in the Spirit. And uh, your thoughts? I agree with you, Mike. I believe that when somebody comes and asks to be prayed for, for healing, that we should, in faith, pray that they would be healed. Ultimately, 
that depends upon the Lord, whether he heals them. Then we prayed for people, they have been healed. And then we prayed for people and they went home to be with the Lord and they were ultimately healed because to be with the Lord is, is to be brand new and, and no more suffering, no more pain, but we should pray in faith. I, I want it, Mike, I want to have the faith to believe God, you can do it. If you want to, you can. And our, our prayers are submitted to the will of God because he knows what's best, but I'm going to pray if somebody asks and I'm going to believe and I've seen it, but God doesn't always do it, but I trust him with the answer. Amen. I hope that answers it for you. Yeah. Um, but so like, what, what about if like, you know, someone who believes they have the gift of healing, you know, and they just go and walk up to someone and, and kind of, uh, I guess, intentionally pray for them or ask them if they want prayer and then they do and, and, and they, they act kind of like, you know, they have, they already have that power to heal, you know, and, and, well, and, if, if they get healed, then they got that power. If they don't get healed, then they don't. But I still wouldn't let that stop me as an individual from going up if I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to pray for somebody to be healed. You know, um, see, what the, the whole thing goes back to one thing. What are, What's the motion? Is it to draw attention to ourselves or to draw attention to Jesus Christ? That's what it's about. And unfortunately, a lot of the charlatans do this to attract attention to themselves. Sometimes God really has given some of these charlatans, they didn't start out that way, uh, the gift of healing, uh, and then they began to merchandise it. Uh, but I, I, I still believe that if I feel prompted to pray for somebody, whether in church or out of church, I'll go up and pray for them. Just because I just think it's something, and I've done that in public. I don't even know the person. I just walk up and I said, Man, can I pray for you? And uh, it, it just just what, see what the Lord does. You don't know why God prompted you. I, well, maybe it's the devil telling me to pray for that person. I don't think so. That's not what the devil tells you to do. Well, maybe I just made that up. Well, tell me, do you make things up about going up and just this walk up to somebody you don't know and want to start praying for them? No, not really. So, again, those unctions and proddings of the Holy Spirit come in many different ways. John, any last thoughts? I agree with you, Mike. I, I don't want to. I don't. It's unfortunate when you see abuses of a particular gift. Yes, you know, in Paul, the Corinthians, they abused the gifts. He didn't say stop using them. He said use them in the proper way. They were drawing attention to themselves rather than drawing attention to Jesus. But every time somebody was healed, it wasn't for the purpose of you know taking an offering or you know putting on some show or walking around saying I'm a healer. The point was to glorify Jesus and to draw attention to Him. And I think that as long as we do that, that that will be the proper way in which to operate in those giftings when God heals. Amen. And and to be about our Father's business, what a better way to do that. And you know, you never know. God might just prompt, I mean, just might heal the person right there on the spot. That'd be pretty cool. So again, um, Sam, for all of us, just to be about our Father's business, to walk in the Spirit, I think it's a great place to be. Stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. Hope that answered it for you. For Dale and, and Victoria, please call us. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. No waiting, I promise. John, thanks again. And again, John Randall uh, will be with us more and more. And so look forward to that. So until then, may the Lord keep in his love. Keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226. Or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226.
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 